0: It is a blessing to to be here with you today. I just could not not come and preach this message on uh, the vision of our church. And I thank you so much. Many of you have been so kind and praying for me as I'm um, not feeling well. And I know many of you have uh, gotten this, um, I call it the double whammy, the cedar and the flu. And I'm sorry that you, many of you have dealt with that as I'm dealing with it. And some of you are watching us online today, and so uh, God bless you as you tune in. And if I do cough, just bear with me. I'll try to reach back here and do this. So you don't have to hear it with the microphone. But there uh, there are times, every Sunday is so important, but there are just times in a pastor's life and in his ministry where... He just has to speak uh, some words that God has really emblazoned upon his heart, and I feel like uh, that is the situation with me today. So we're going to look today in the second part of our series of messages on the mission and the vision and the values and the pathway of Great Hills Baptist Church. and today we look at part two, which deals specifically with uh, our vision, our vision. Our mission is the same as the mission of Christ. Remember last week we Jesus said, I have come so that I can seek and save those who are lost. And that is the mission of the church. The church is here. Jesus has left us here so that we can bear witness for him and we can tell the world that there's hope, that there can be peace with God, that there can be purpose and meaning in life. And so that is our mission, and it drives us. So what is our vision? Well, vision answers the question, how or what does it look like what does it look like when you are accomplishing the mission? The mission asks the question, why are we here? And vision asks the question, what does it look like when we are accomplishing uh, our mission? And what we're going to do today is we're going to, like every week, we're going to go to God's Word. We're going to go to the Bible. And we're going to read a passage of Scripture and we're going to receive encouragement from it and strength from it. I'm just so glad that you're here today. God bless you. Thank you for being here. What an honor and a privilege it is to be able to preach God's Word and to offer words of encouragement and affirmation to you. Some of you have come in today and you're not feeling great. You're not feeling great spiritually or physically, mentally, emotionally, and I'm really glad you're here. Others are here today and you're going, man, I don't have the flu. Thank you, Lord. I'm healthy. My kids are healthy and things are going well in my life. Praise God. We rejoice with you. We're thrilled for you. Today we're looking at this message on vision and a vision, is, it, it's happening. It's, it hasn't taken place yet. You, you think about future. That is a very popular passage of Scripture in Proverbs twenty-nine eighteen. Many of you have committed it to memory. I like the English Standard Version when it says, When there's no prophetic revelation, when there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. And happy is he who keeps the law. And Mission is important, and so is vision. What is our vision? What is our vision here at Great Hills Baptist Church? And when we're accomplishing it, what does it look like? How do we know that we are successful in accomplishing the vision that God has given us? Well, again, the whole mission, the vision, the church, it, it, it stems from Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad today? We don't have to create something. We just got to be obedient to what he's already given us. He's given us our marching orders. The church exists for him and so that we could come and be encouraged and worship him and study his word. And then we would go and seek and save the lost. You hear a lot around here today about the, this phrase, for the one. And I love that. And we, many in the First Impressions ministry and many of our volunteers and leaders, we, we know what this means, right? Uh, we're, we're raising that one index finger up high and we're going, we are here Just like Jesus, he came for that one lost sheep. You know, guys, when we come to church every Sunday, we just really have no idea who is among us and how many grandfathers and grandmothers have been praying for their grandson and granddaughter and... How many aunts and uncles have been bombarding heaven saying, Oh, God, my, my child, they, uh, my nephew, my niece, they live in Austin, Texas. Oh, God, I'm praying with all my heart that they would find you. And, and, Lord, lead them today to a church. And what if they come to our church? Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? And many are. Many are moving to Austin, and many are coming here to Great Hills. And so when we raise this one finger, we're going, our mission, our passion, our ethos, our vision is to capture that one for the gospel and encourage her and build her up in her faith so that she comes to a place in her life where she can go and share Christ and make disciples. And that really is the success of Great Hills Baptist Church. Our vision is to be that multi Ethnic multi generational church that makes disciples that builds people up so that they go and they're able to make more disciples. What a vision! What a passion! What a mission God has given us. And Jesus, when you come to Luke chapter 4, and I'm going to read this text to you, it spells out in very clear language what his vision was. He's already told us, I've come. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me uh, to to come, and I'm coming to seek and to save the lost. And now he's going to tell us precisely how he is going to accomplish the vision that God has given him for people. By the way, that's really what it's all about. Jesus said, love God, love people. It's all about people. He's left us here. Have you ever thought about it like this? The moment God saved you, the moment the Spirit of God came in you, why did he not kill you and take you to heaven? And you're going, Oh, I never thought of it like that. I'm I'm glad he didn't. I'm, I'm glad he kept me around. The reason he did not just zap you and transform you right up into heaven is because he has a mission for you. And the mission's not about you. The mission's not about me. It's not about Great Hills Baptist Church. It's about Jesus and us fulfilling the heart of God, the Father's desire, and that is for the one or for the people so that they would know him. Our city. Man, I love our city. Our city is is growing it's just burgeoning blossoming high tech savvy aesthetically sensitive kind of eclectic raw country pop rock and roll i mean it's it's all in this great city of the capital and the politics and the education well, you know, what happens here changes the world, says the University of Texas logo. And, and this is where God has placed us. All the mission of the churches are the same. We're to go and make disciples, but the vision looks different for every church because we all are different and God's placed us in different places, right? He's placed us in that city that I just enumerated for you, that I just described for you. So let's go to the New Testament and say, okay, Jesus, we want to watch you. We want to follow you. We want you to help us so that we can accomplish the vision that you're giving us. How do we do it? So Jesus, when he was just beginning his ministry around 30 years of age, he's from the city of of Nazareth where he had been brought up. He goes into the synagogue, the meeting place of the Jews. And remember now, this this is brand new. Jesus Christ is about to reveal really who he is and why he's come. This is Luke chapter 4, not 24, right? Right? This is the beginning. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, in other words, Jesus went to church. He went to church every Sabbath, every Saturday. And he goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and Jesus stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. (coughs) And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. You can check this in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. It's almost verbatim what Jesus says. So he's about to give his his purpose, the vision of the Father, why he has come. Why did he leave heaven? Why in the world would he leave the worship and the glory of heaven? Why would the pearl of heaven himself come to planet earth? And he tells us why. He said, the Spirit of God is on me. He has anointed me to do the following things, and there are four things. and You can jot them down in your, in your outline, in your bulletin today. He said, "Here's, here's my, my mission is to seek and save the lost, and here's how I'm going to do it. Here's my vision. Here's what I'm going to do. Watch me. You can watch me throughout the Gospels, and you'll see me doing these things. Number one, the Father has sent me to preach. Preach the Gospel is one word in the Greek New Testament. It's or euangelion is the noun form. Euangelion. It's exactly where we get the word evangelism. You transliterate the Greek right into English, it's evangelism. My purpose, I've come. I have come not to be this political, popular Messiah. I did not come to topple Rome. I did not come to... Be the most popular prophet and priest and rabbi in Israel. That is not why I have come. I have come so that I might evangelize and tell the world that there's hope in God. That's why I've come. Preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, number two. Number three, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And number four, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then he says it again. If you've noticed, this is the third time that Jesus uses the word preach. He was a preacher. He was a proclaimer. This Greek word is entirely different than the first Greek word, which is uangelizomai. This word is karuso, or karux, is the noun form. A karux in the New Testament world was a herald. He was (coughs) someone... I'm sorry... I do apologize. Just, just keep staying with me. Keep praying for me. Harold was someone who had something very significant to say. He would go before the entourage of the political figure or the king. And he would say, I have an announcement. I have a pronouncement to make. And this is it. On behalf of the king, I make this statement. And Jesus said, that's what I'm doing. I have an announcement. I have... A message to preach, to herald the acceptable year of the Lord. And a good translation of that is the day and the era of salvation has dawned. And that's why I've come. Now, after he said all those things, you could have heard a pin drop. Because number one, he's in his hometown. Number two, he is just Joseph and Mary's carpenter's son. There's nothing really spectacular about him, according to the people. Number three, that's pretty audacious, you know, to stand up and say, I'm taking the prophet Isaiah and everything that Isaiah said and all these amazing prophecies of the Messiah to come, that's me. So I I imagine there's lots of emotion going on among the people. I think there's just raw anger by some, and you read the rest of the chapter and you'll see it. And I believe there's bewilderment and amazement by others. Listen, a lot of people are confused, but Jesus is not. He knows who he is, and he knows why he's there. I have come to seek and save the lost. I have come to preach the gospel, to heal, to liberate, and to open blinded eyes. So he gives the book back to the attendant, and he sat down, and, all, and the eyes of everybody in the synagogue were fastened, glued, fixed on him. And then he said these amazing words today. <laughs> This scripture, it is fulfilled in your hearing. So today I want to look first of all at at this text and and just study it with you. And and then toward the the second part of my message, I'm going to do something I've never done. In 30-something years of preaching, I've never read a statement for five to seven minutes, but I'm going to do that today. This five to seven minute reading that I will give you, Great Hills Baptist Church, is about ten months in the making. I I think it really captures our vision of what we want to look like in the months ahead, in the years ahead, if Jesus so allows it, and our Lord tarries. So if you have your outlines there, I want to make a couple of points with you. The first one is, vision provides direction. Vision provides direction where there's no vision the people perish or they cast off restraint if there's no clear purpose then people will just meander and we'll do everything that everybody wants to do or when the popular person and the loudest person in the room gathers a, a voice or he gathers a following then we'll all follow him and then this person says well wait a minute I think we ought to be oh well, wait a minute I think we ought to be doing this I think we ought to be doing that no vision clarifies direction it gives a very crystal clear picture of where we are going. And Jesus is is amazing at this. He is spectacular at this. I don't want there to be any ambiguity. I don't want you to misunderstand me at all. I know who I am. I know I have come from the Father, and I know precisely what he's called me to do. He has called me to come and die for your sins. And I will rise from the dead, and I will give eternal life to all of those Who believe upon me? And here's how I'm gonna do it. Number one, I'm gonna tell you about it. I'm gonna preach the gospel to the poor. In Matthew 5 through 7, he does precisely that. He preaches this amazing sermon on the mount. And in a few months, one of the highlights for me of being in Israel is when we go and we stand and we just look out at this vast expanse off the coast of the Sea of Galilee, and we just look out, and I can envision these thousands upon thousands of people coming and hearing this preacher. This Messiah. He said, I've come to preach to the poor. In Matthew 5 3, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus says, as he quotes Isaiah 61 1 in Luke 4 18, when he says, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor, you know who he's talking about? He's really not talking about finance per se. He's not talking about economics. He's talking about the person who's poor in spirit who says, I recognize I don't have my life together. I recognize there's a gaping hole in me. I realize I need a Savior. Jesus said, that's why I came. That's why I came. And you recognize that you're a sinner, and you don't have all the answers, and you need a Savior, you need help. Jesus says, that's why I've come. I've come to preach gospel to you. You're already broken. You're humble, and and you're ready to receive it. And here I am. I am your Messiah, your Savior. He said, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. Number two, he said, I've come to heal, to heal the son Trebo, the crushed completely heart. It's really fascinating when you you study the gospels of Jesus. He Church, everything he said he would do, he did it. He said, i am come to preach. You see him preaching. He said, I've come to heal. You see him healing. In fact, Luke 4, 40 says, when the sun was setting, all the people who had any sickness, various diseases, they brought them to Jesus, and he laid his hands on. Listen to this, church. Listen to this. (coughs) He laid his hands on every one of them. One of them, and he healed them. In the first three centuries, the church of Jesus Christ exploded. It metastasized out of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And a lot of the reasons why it did is because the Christian people were those who were caring for the hurting people. If someone was a leper or sick, the Christian person would go in and lay their hands on them and pray for them. I think that's when we're at our best. When we're looking like this, for that one hurting, suffering soul. As a follower of Jesus Christ, what can I do to help heal him, heal her, help encourage him or her? And so Jesus says, precisely, that's why I came. I come to preach, but also came to heal. Number three, he said, I come to liberate. I come to liberate captive people now obviously he's not talking about incarcerated people in prison right i'm not uh, mitigating minimizing it all prison ministries it's incredibly important many of you do that and many of you watching us on online you're engaged in those ministries and that's phenomenal that's amazing when you go in and you share gospel with those who are incarcerated but the liberation theologians and, and there are many of them they love this text and they build a whole structure of theology, and they are called liberation theologians because they say, we are here to eradicate all societal ills and social injustices, and that's why Jesus came. And they're mistaken. That's not the primary reason that he came. He came to save our souls. But when we, our souls are saved, right, we will transform society. We we will join in with a Martin Luther King Jr. and we will say right is wrong and wrong right is right and wrong is wrong and we need to stand up for racial discrimination. We need to stand up for injustices. We need to stand up for those who are are poor and those who are needy and we need to do all that we can as a follower of Christ to touch, to help, to heal, to do everything in our power to help hurting humanity. That's that's who we are. I'm not talking politics today, guys. I'm just talking about as a follower of Christ, I, if there's a need and it's in front of me, i got to do everything I can to help meet that need. Jesus said, I've come to liberate that oppressed soul who is in the bondage of sin. A beautiful example is Mark 2. In Mark 2, 10 through 12, remember the story, the guys cut a hole in the roof, and with a rope they lay, lay him through that roof, <laughs> On a, on a kind of a pulley system on a mat with ropes, and they, they put him down there, and Jesus sees the man. Remember what Jesus said, I come to do some things. I come to preach, and the Bible says in Mark chapter 2, there's so many people in the house. They're standing outside the house because the rabbi is preaching. He said, That's why I came. Number two, he said, I've come to heal and they bring the man with palsy. They bring the man who's, who's paralyzed. And Jesus will touch him in a moment and heal him. And he will walk out, take up his mat in front of them all. But then Jesus also said, but I've come also to liberate the oppressed soul. And Jesus told that same man. Well, let's read it. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house immediately. He arose. He arose. He took up the bed. He went out in the presence of them all, and they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and they said, man, we never saw anything like this. So, Jesus says, so that you will know that I can really forgive his sins, I will do the lesser miracle, the visible miracle, so that you know that I can do the greater miracle. And Jesus heals his body, and simultaneously he saves his soul. And again, Jesus, he's just, he's just amazing. He is doing precisely everything that he said he came to do. And there's one more thing. He said, I come to open blinded eyes. I love this. In Luke chapter 4, you see it. You see it blind Bartimaeus. You see the beggars on the side of the road. But you see it preeminently in John chapter 9. When this man with congenital blindness, he's born blind, right? He, when you're born blind, you're going to die blind unless Jesus touches you. And Jesus, this a wonderful text. He touched him. He healed him. And the man bows down and says, my Lord and my God. So Jesus does this dual miraculous thing, right? That's what he came to do. He came to, he came to touch people, help people, heal people. But more importantly, he came to heal their heart, to heal their spirit, there's this great chasm between a holy God and sinful man. Somebody's got to help us. Somebody's got to bridge this gap. And Jesus says, I bridge this gap with my life. And with my death and my bloodshed, I will bridge the gap between sinful man and a holy God. And Jesus does this with this man in John chapter 9. And then there's an audience. And there's a the temple. And there's religious people. And there's the man healed. And there's this dialogue with Jesus and the Pharisees. And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, and therefore your sin remains. What, what's he saying there? The Pharisees are like, I don't need you. <laughs> I've got Abraham. I don't need you. I've got Moses. I don't need you, so called Messiah. I don't need you. I have everything that I need. Jesus says, Well, you're blind. You, I mean, you're spiritually in the dark, and you, you, there's, there's really no hope for you because you will not believe in me. That's the unpardonable sin, right? That's the sin of the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit. He reveals Jesus to us. So, Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no sin. The blind person is the poor in spirit person. The blind person is like, I can't see. Jesus, I need you. I am poor. I am desperate. I'm destitute. Would you please help me, Jesus? And Jesus goes, boom, I'll help you. But when you say, oh, I see. I'm good. I don't need you. I'm I'm good. Then Jesus says, well, I really can't help you. And and, and guys, here in Austin, we, we we have a multitude of people like that. I'm good. I'm good. You found your God. I'm happy for you. Just, just don't tell me your God should be my God. I, I'm good. I've got my job. I live in this great city. I've got my, I, I got my act together. I've got my education. I've, I've got my lake house and my ranch over here, and I've I got my girlfriends over there. Man, it's, it's all good, and, and I don't need that. I don't need you telling me that. Well, then, then at this point, what, what we have to say is, you know, God have mercy on them, and we pray for them, and we, we, we befriend them and love them. And so Jesus has painted this beautiful vision of what he would do in Luke chapter 4, but what's so beautiful about him, it's precisely what he did. So what about us? What about Great Hills Baptist Church? How do we, how do we put skin on this, this skeleton? How do we implement our vision of this multi-generational, multi-ethnic disciple-making church that makes more disciples. How, how does that look like for us? Well, number two, let me, let me give you this real quick before I get into that. Number two is vision answers critics. Vision answers critics. You say, well, Jesus didn't have any critics, did he? <laughs> hey, listen, if you have a vision, you're going to be criticized. And Pastor Chester, I'm sure he knows that better than... most, You, You have a vision, something you want to accomplish that's great for God, then you're obviously going to have those who will criticize you for that. And Jesus did. And watch this, church. Jesus, one of his greatest critics, was his first cousin. Isn't that amazing? John the Baptist. John the Baptist, in Luke chapter 7, was put in prison... And he began to question in the dark what God showed him in the light. Do you do that? Do I do that? Yes. We question what God revealed in the darkness in the hard times. We question what God clearly revealed to us in the daylight. John the Baptist was the one who said, Behold, the Lamb of God, he takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist is there when he baptizes Jesus. Shazam, the Trinity shows up. I mean, the Spirit comes down on the Son, and the Father speaks, This is my beloved Son. And John the Baptist is going, Whoa, man, this is amazing! Until he gets put in prison. When he gets put in prison, he sends two of his disciples. He says, I want you to go to Jesus. And you just ask him, Hey, are, are you the real deal, or am I supposed to be looking for somebody else? Oh, man, really? Really? John? No, no, he did. He, he said that's harsh. Are you really the Messiah, or should I just... You know, I think sometimes we say things. We don't really mean those things. I mean, we, we, we say things, and we, we just say them because we're hurt, right? Hurt people hurt people. And, and John's hurt. He's offended by Jesus. He, maybe, maybe he's thinking, Jesus... <laughs> You're supposed to be pastor in the first Baptist Church of Jerusalem, man. You're, and I'm supposed to be right there by you. And we're supposed to have 15 services, and I'm supposed to be the executive pastor. And, and we're, this thing's supposed to be huge, man. And, and things are supposed to be, I mean, happening, and, and I'm in prison. What's up with that? Would you please explain to me why am I in prison and what are you doing? What are you doing? And it's beautiful what Jesus did. Jesus answers John with his vision. He quotes, and I'm quoting Luke chapter 7, verse 22. Jesus answered and said to them, Disciples, you John the Baptist disciples, go and tell John what you have seen and what you have heard. Listen, church, Great Hills Baptist Church, listen to this with all you got. Go tell them that the blind see... The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me, Jesus said. Did y'all catch that? Is that not exactly what Jesus said his vision was in Luke chapter 4? And those very things that he enumerated at the onset of his ministry are the very things that guided his ministry, and they are the very things that he used to counter John's skepticism and John's doubt. No, John, this is not looking like what you thought it would look like. It's going to be far greater because I'm doing what the Father has called me to do. John, be patient. John, stay with me. I know it's hard, and I know this is different, but stay with me, and and let's watch what God does. You know what's amazing about Jesus? He He never traveled outside of Palestine, just a couple hundred miles. I mean, and here we are today in America, North America, and we are thriving as followers of Christ. How in the world did we get here? Here's how we got here. Because Jesus was not the popular Messiah that John wanted him to be. He was the right Messiah that the Father wanted him to be. And there's a big difference when well, it's all said and done, Great Hills Baptist Church, when the kingdom of God comes to earth and Jesus reigns, and you and I are way off the scene, right? We're, there's no longer a Great Hills Baptist Church. We're all gathered around Jesus and his throne. And what, what mark would we have left? What will our legacy be, if you will? And here's what I'm hoping it will look like. Passionate followers of Jesus who shared our faith, made disciples, and we took the gospel to the nations of the world. You said, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about the 15 worship services and when we, we're on television and, and we what, why, don't, why don't we do that? I'm, I'm not against that if God wants to do that, but that's not, that's not what drives me. I tell you, church, what drives me, what gets me up in the morning. And for six days, Sam gets me up puts me right back down in the bed in the morning. Is this thought, is that Great Hills Baptist Church becomes this army of faithful followers of Christ. And I mean, we are deep in our faith and we know our Bible and we, we are walking with Jesus. And that we take that faith to our neighbors and to our nations and, and we are not ashamed. And we, we're marching around the city going, it's for the one. We're, we're seeking to save the lost. And I'm like... Thank you, Lord. That's, that's who we are. That's, that's our vision. And God has put us in this Sitzam Laban, this context of Austin, this erudite, academic, aesthetic, culturally melting pot, eclectic, very secular, and lots of atheism. I get all that. And, and by the way, that's where God has placed us. So I want to read the document, if you'll just bear with me it will take me 5 to 7 minutes may take a little longer if i can't resist the temptation to preach right i just i just want to read it but if i oh i know reading this i want to say oh so just just sit back and just listen to this vision this vision is for us but it's not about us How does it look when we at Great Hills are fulfilling our mission? The function of this story format is to vividly reveal that the church body can work together to achieve great things for God. It serves to aid in rallying our troops as well as defining our organizational needs and the standards that make up the vision. A family moves in, a family a family moves in to Austin, Texas. They're transplanted transplanted into the landscape of Austin. They are busy settling into work, school for their children, and into the hustle and the bustle of errands. They're shopping. They have children's events. They have family activities. Can I get an amen just by the way? (coughs) Life is good, but not complete. Church is not out of the question, it's just not in their focus. A respected coworker speaks of Great Hills Baptist Church, triggering a curious interest and unintentional drive-by reinforces that interest and turns Great Hills from a concept now to a tangible consideration. The building and its signage showcase a modern design savvy that is attractive to where they are in life. The prominent placement of the website on the campus creates a bridge by which the curiosity is converted into a reassurance of positive expectations. We'll show you our brand new website in a moment, okay? La- Remember last week we gave you the one-page document? The brand new reveal this week is the website. We have a brand new website. And it is not complete. There's still errors in it. But just stay with us because it really looks amazing. And I'll show it to you in a moment. Online, Great Hills shows a refined, well appointed sensibility with simple access to media and ministries, and a master plan strategy that points to simple steps of engagement. The church comes across as smart and well thought through, the opposite of a church slapping it together. Visitors to the site are able to see a window into the church culture, getting hints into preparing for their visit. Sample videos of the church experience and a brand savvy design that reaffirms that the church really gets them. The family prepares for a visit. It is an unusual Sunday morning for them, having grown accustomed to sleeping late without church in their routine. As they approach Great Hills, they see signage with familiar branding that directs them to the service and provides accents of color to the campus that increase the anticipation for what is on the inside. From the lot... The building entrances are well marked and directional signage affirms each step that they take on this well-kept campus. Y'all remember vision is, is the future of where we're going, right? It's where we're going. Outside of the entrances there are smiling faces of various ages walking in and greeting at the doors. The greeters are infectiously happy as if willing them to smile back. Signage directs them to the children's first-time check-in. They are impressed by an attractive environment that shows visual investment into their family. Their experience of taking their child to class reaffirms that the church is well-managed and showcases a deliberate sense of programming for their children's spiritual education. The volunteer from the children's check-in, he's enthusiastic full of service, not only taking them to their child's class, but giving them a quick tour or overview of the church that inspires and acclimates them before the volunteer walks them to the lobby to enter the service. Thank you, Ken Cotton. I just couldn't help but say that. When we had our secret shoppers come, Ken Cotton was that guy. He did everything that I just read to you. In the lobby, before the service starts, they grab a cup of coffee as a relaxing on-ramp into the service in a notably modern and attractive environment. People nearby are fellowshipping, and an outgoing couple greets them to chit-chat and show them value. Thank you, Vivian Spence, by the way. God bless your soul. You did this just last week. They are excited to see that this is not just a church where they can find peers to hang out with. But this is a sharp, outgoing family, older than they are, that they can look up to and learn from. On their way into the service, they receive a bulletin that, again, reinforces a sense of smart design. And they walk into a well-thought-through, high-standard, yet relaxed experience where people are engaged in worship. The worship experience is more than they expected. Not only in quality, but in intensity. They did not expect to get wrapped up in an experience, yet they did in a comfortable and appealing way. The songs were easy to sing along to and a sense of passion that was not expected. It put them at ease and drew them in. The style was modern, but in a way that was built upon previous generations. They were even impressed by how welcoming and disarming the people around them were. They felt accepted into community right away. Announcements were offered by a sharp, likable professional showing deliberate value for events and increasing the sense of all that Great Hills has to offer. Graphic support reinforced a sharp aesthetic. As the family began to say to themselves, now I know why people are talking about this church. The experience is wrapping them in long before the preacher ever begins his message. The minister thoughtfully introduces himself, which he did not today, by the way. <coughs> Vision his future. We haven't arrived. We're, 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 we're in process. Stay with me. The minister thoughtfully introduces himself and begins to share stories in Scripture in a disarming way. He is real and likable. He is obviously highly educated, but has mastered sharing complex truths in simple ways. Now the family has a sense that he gets them as people, speaking from a similar but more seasoned place in life. The topic is thought-provoking and ultimately inspiring as the sermon culminates in a direct challenge to take on the characteristics of the message. Further, they are also challenged to evaluate their walk with Christ and to take simple next steps of growth within the church. The pastor wraps up the sermon by making himself available after the service in the Welcome Center to meet and answer questions of anyone who desires, showing remarkable accessibility that is unexpected and attractive. On a return visit, the family takes that opportunity and finds him to be a down-to-earth person who genuinely cares about them. He invites them to Discover Great Hills, a series of classes designed to help them connect to a deeper life of faith within the church. On the way out of the service, well, they pick up their children who share with excitement what they learned and their hopes to come back to this church. The couple that had engaged them over coffee to chat before heading out, well, now that couple invites them to their connect group. Walking to the car, the couple doesn't even have to say it. They know they have found something very special. The family's blown away. They're blown away by what they just experienced. Church was succinct. It was meaningful. It was powerful. It was real, relatable, and made relevant. It was compatible with their value of education, yet it ministered to their heart in a way they were not really expecting, cracking open the door by which Christ would become fully real to them and change their lives. They they found their church. They were hoping they found their church, a place... They could be excited to go. They came back time and time again. They engaged in the Discover Great Hills new members class, and then they got in a connect group, and as then they're serving as volunteers. In doing so, they were challenged to become more and more like Christ, and they became more and more impactful in the world around them. They had done church before, but this was different. Their lives had been disrupted And they were being changed by something so much more powerful. They were being changed by Christ himself. A difference had been made to this family. Now they're making a difference in others. They had plugged into the life and the mission of the church. They were being mentored and they were mentoring others. They continued to grow in Christ. They were looking for opportunities to make an impact around them. They became infectious... They're attracting their friends and neighbors and co-workers to discover the Christ in them. Many would come to church with them and be excited to find Great Hills Baptist Church to be that church that it really is. Multi-generational, community-focused, simply smart, surprisingly relational, Baptist church with quality programming. Reaching people for Christ and seeing God change people's lives. This is is the vision of Great Hills to deliver on this promise, this experience time and time again. It is to build momentum through consistency, a focus on people, a reliance on prayer, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The long-term culmination is a flourishing church living on mission, growing through relationships, and taking the message of Christ to their community and to the nations of the world. This is how we become who God has called us to be. It requires us to be deliberate. It requires us to be focused on the one and not satisfied with being a part of the ninety and nine. It puts us as members and stewards of a church on mission with Christ to seek and save the lost within our church walls and outside our church walls. It is what... It looks like when we are fulfilling our mission as a church to draw our community and beyond to Christ by focusing on lives upward in worship, inward in discipleship, and outward in impact. And finally, here are the bullet points, visionary objectives. Number one, Great Hills Baptist Church has become a brand-savvy digital presence that connects with families. Number 2, guest focused campus that is smart, appealing and welcoming. Number 3, a congregation that values that one, that one. Number 4, children's environments that showcase high value for the family. Number 5, high quality worship that engages across all ages. 6, ministry that is understandable, relatable and applicable. 7, clear challenges to hear the next steps with time and place. Eight, high value touches from leadership. Finally, number nine, relationally focused discipleship that makes people feel that they have been thought of. This is our mission. This is our vision. Will you choose to accept it? I just want you to know, As for me and my house, we are all in. We're with you, brother. We are all in to seeing this happen. (laughs) I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we move into our time of invitation. We want to praise the Lord. We want to thank Him for His goodness. We thank him for foundations, for the legacy and the lives of those men and women of God who have gone before us, faithful, faithful, faithful. I'm continually reminded there is no Great Hills Baptist Church without decades of people who have gone before me and come before you. And I applaud them and I appreciate them. Thank you, Lord, for those who have gone before us. We stand on their shoulders, Lord, and we're able to see into the distant future because of the perch, because of the the place as we stand. Maybe you're here today. Your head is bowed. Your eyes are closed. You are that person. You are that family. You are looking. You were hoping. You were really, really hoping that Great Hills would be different. She would be that kind of church that is passionate for worship, but not fluffy, fluffy. They have depth and discipleship. And they really are concerned for the one. We welcome you here. We're not perfect. And I take responsibility for that. I am not a perfect pastor. I have made mistakes. I am making mistakes. I will make mistakes. But we really are on mission. We really want to be all that Jesus wants us to be. Would you come to him today? He loves you. He preaches gospel to you. He offers to heal you, liberate you, open your blinded heart. The Bible says, Whoever calls on him will be saved. And it's so simple, but it's so radical that you say, Jesus, I'm blind. I, I am poor. I humble myself. I can't do this. I cannot do this on my own. So here I am, Lord, take me. Oh, my friend, that's all he's wanting you to do. That's really all you can do. So why don't you do that now? Jesus, I'm here. I'm poor blind, spiritually naked. God, I need you. Clothe me, O oh God, in your righteousness. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Brother Danny, I'm I'm in. I'm I'm in. I, I, I know it's the vision is for us. It's not about us. It's about, I'm already saved. I am going to heaven. It's about the millions upon people that don't know Christ, not only in Austin, but also around the world. And I'm committed. I want to tell you something, church, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, whatever pastor loves 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 to hear he loves to hear something like this i get it i'm in i'm in financially i'm in with my commitment i am in for the one i join you i come alongside you i don't agree with everything i don't agree with everything you said today but i've agreed with enough you're trying to be like jesus you're trying to reach people and i am in father would you raise people up like that Lord, I pray you'd raise them up of all ages, from children to people in their 80s and 90s, to say, I am in. Because, Lord, that's who I see us becoming, that multi-generational, multi-ethnic church that pours into people, loves people, makes disciples, and then, Lord, sends them out. So, Lord, we love you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sustaining me today, Lord, of all the sermons. And all the privilege of being able to preach at Great Hills, this was by far the most important sermon I've ever preached. And so thank you so much for for people praying for me and letting me come here today. Lord, now as we move into a time of invitation, would you just have your way? Would you enjoy yourself, God, as we worship you, as we focus on you and as people make commitments to you, and as they take that next step toward you? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Would you stand? We're going to sing a song of praise to the Lord. We do make ourselves available at this altar. You want to come and pray? You come. God bless you. Thank you for being here. God bless you. It's so awesome that you're here today. Thank you.